Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Sunshine Podcast, where we share faith, have some fun, and strive to add a little sunshine to your day. I am your host, Jason Bringhurst. Welcome, welcome, everybody. As usual, I am recording from the lovely town of Port Angeles, located in the evergreen state of Washington. (laughs) Ah, it's good to be here with you today. In today's episode, I talk about a place that became sacred to me. So let's get into it. Do you have a place where you can go talk with God? We call the grove behind uh, Joseph Smith's family's log cabin sacred because of the prayer that he offered, the vision that he had of seeing God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And we call temples sacred. Temples are the house of the Lord, and and our homes can be a sacred place. But do you have another sacred place, anywhere where you go to find peace? I'm going to take you back to 1990. Uh, Sometime in early 1990, I had gone to church, and this was something that I was not doing very regularly at this time. At this point in my life, I had been pretty inactive. My bishop in the ward there, Moroni Whitaker, he asked if he could speak with me after church. And we met, and he invited me to go on a mission. And I was uh, 19 and was not really thinking about a mission, actually. I thought that uh, my 19th birthday had come and gone, and this was the age when missionaries went out at 19 back then. I just didn't think that I didn't see myself going. But his invitation got me thinking about it. I decided I needed to clear my head, and... I decided to go away, and I left Salt Lake City, where I lived, in my 1970 Chevy pickup, and had loaded some camping supplies in there, and I just needed to get away. I needed to find myself. I drove south and kept uh, looking eastward to the mountains, and I knew Salt Lake fairly well, but Utah County, at this point in my life, this was unexplored territory for me, and I decided to take uh, this little exit in Springville, and... Back then, 1990, Springville really was a little small town still. So I I headed east on this exit, and I drove for quite some time, and the road led me to the mouth of Hobble Creek Canyon. There were no people around, and it was the solitude that I had been looking for. Hobble Creek Canyon is like no other place that I had ever been. The mountains surround this canyon, which is painted with light and dark green colors from the evergreens, the maple trees, and quaking aspen trees. And if you go there in the fall, the leaves of the maple trees turn red and the leaves of the quaking aspens turn yellow. And together with the pine trees, it's just breathtaking. It is a beautiful place. So it turned out a great place to be, to go and just ponder and think about life and to search my soul. And back in 1990 again, it was not crowded. So I kept driving up the canyon. I started seeing ranches with horses and and thought of how nice it would be to live away from the city. Then I came up to uh, an open gate where the paved road ended, and I kept venturing forward on this dirt road. And now I was really feeling like I was leaving uh, the city behind me. The surroundings were just beautiful. Hobble Creek runs through the canyon, and many of the trees grow close to the creek, and the road just runs adjacent to the creek. So it's heavily wooded, Uh, There are trees on either side, and they arch over, uh, making uh, this natural tunnel of leaves and branches. 
And the road uh, eventually became a little more difficult to drive on, but uh, I was uh, continuing in my truck. I had some deep holes and rocks, and so uh, you know, a car wouldn't have the clearance to get over a lot of these rocks, but uh, luckily I was able to continue. And for me, I just kept thinking, well, this just means that there's less chance of there being anyone else up here. The river had even like washed out part of the road at one point. I had the radio off, which was really uncharacteristic of me at that age, especially. And I was just simply listening to the the hum of my engine, the squeaks that the truck was making as I was slowly climbing uh, this this hill and mountain. And then I could hear the the water running next to me in the creek, the wind blowing in the, the aspen leaves. And I eventually came to a fork in the road, and I had recently read Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled, and decided to take the road, which clearly was less traveled. The grass was growing up the two parallel tire paths, but it was obviously a road. So this unused road led to the top of a hill where the road just ended. And I parked my truck, and I stepped out into the long green grass, and I was just really inspired by the view. I could walk to the edge of the hill on either side and look for miles of mountains and valleys. I could see dirt roads weaving through the mountains, and there were like thick groups of trees on the side of the mountain, and then no trees on the other side because of a rain shadow. I could see and smell wildflowers everywhere, and it was completely quiet, so silent. And I couldn't see at anyone. I couldn't see anybody anywhere around me. I was completely alone. And when I realized that, I kind of had a chill go through me. <laughs> Not a single person knew where I was at that point. And I was glad. I had come up there to be alone and to ponder. I wanted to get my life straightened out, to, even if just in my mind. So, you know, I didn't know what the future held. But I felt that I was kind of at a crossroads in my life, and I had to make some mature decisions. I had graduated from high school, and I was attending Salt Lake Community College. Um, I enjoyed college quite a bit more than high school, and I studied hard, and I got really good grades, especially compared to high school. Um, I had a crush on a girl who would not really pay any attention to me. (laughs) I only had uh, very few friends. My life just didn't seem right. Something was off, and I, I felt depressed, something that was kind of foreign to me. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I was an adult and that the decisions I were going to make were going to be far-reaching and probably affect the rest of my life. I sat down and I uh, was looking at the mountains and the valleys, and I was (laughs) sure that I could see like almost to Wyoming. The sky was uh, dark blue with a few white fluffy clouds uh, slowly drifting by. It was very warm. And even in the higher altitude, and, uh, and I enjoyed the, the warmth on my face. I was amazed at the place that I had found and what I was looking at. My thoughts turned to summer. I loved the hot Utah summers. I loved wearing shorts that didn't come to my knee. <laughs> I loved getting a tan. I loved the carefree life that summer brought. You know, I'd earn enough money to put gas in my car and stay out late and have a little bit of fun. Could I give it all up? Many of my friends had actually gone on missions. Some had gone to college. Some had gotten married. There were a couple friends that had actually been killed in a motorcycle accident. There was a friend that had committed suicide. The friends that I still had around, not many of them were active in the church or even members. And I had some friends who had really started having their lives go in a direction that I knew I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be part of 
the uh, substance abuse that I had seen going on with some of these other friends. And, but I didn't know if I wanted to go on a mission neither. What was I going to do? I, I thought school was a good answer. I had serious doubts about a mission. It really scared me. Leaving for two years, boy, that just seemed like such a long time. You know, that would be putting everything on hold. It just seemed too long. I didn't know if I could do that. I didn't really want to leave. It was starting to get dark, and I built a fire. I had planned on spending the night there. I brought some food and a sleeping bag. I still had some serious decisions to make and a lot of thinking to do. And this seemed like the perfect place to do some soul searching. As it became darker, uh, the view that surrounded me disappeared into the darkness, and I could only see the immediate area around the fire and the stars in the sky. I couldn't ever remember seeing so many stars. They were so bright. I couldn't believe it. Everything about this place was amazing, by the day or by the night. There were millions and millions of these bright, twinkling stars. And I tried to recognize some constellations from (laughs) my training in Boy Scouts. And then I remembered I really didn't pay attention during Boy Scouts. So I could only recognize like the Big Dipper, (laughs) the Little Dipper. Yeah, I didn't like Scouts much. And consequently, I didn't do very well. Uh, Later in life, I would spend many, many years as a scout leader which is probably the uh, payback that I (laughs) got for not doing well in scouts. So, (laughs) yep, it comes around, I guess. As I stared up in the sky, I just started feeling really lucky. I definitely wasn't rich. Most of my friends, I think, were wealthier than our family was, but uh, I just felt lucky. I felt lucky to have my family. I felt lucky uh, to have my younger brother and lucky to have my extended family. And I think the word that I really meant was I felt blessed. But in my mind, I was thinking that I felt lucky. I thought of how my younger brother, Nick, would likely follow in my footsteps, no matter which way I went. Would I be responsible for him turning out to not be on the right path if I didn't go down the right path? I felt that I would. I was an example, one way or the other. We didn't really have a father in the home, so I kind of became a father figure to him in in some ways. In some ways, I kind of resented that because I felt like I couldn't have fun without being a bad influence. But I felt like something had to change. As I was looking at the campfire, I remember trying to imagine the future. Who did I want to be like? What did I want my life to become? What did I want from life? I really looked up to our bishop. I looked up to our home teachers and a couple other families in the ward. And I decided that I wanted a family. I wanted a wife. I wanted children. I wanted to be a good father. I wanted a home. I wanted a good job. I wanted to be active in the LDS church and raise my children in the same faith in which I had been taught. As I kept pondering life and what the future was going to be like, I got the impression that a mission was inevitable if I were to have all the things that I desired. A mission would prepare me to be a good father and to be a good husband. Wow, a mission. What would my mom say? What would my grandmother say? I thought that they would both just be completely surprised. Because again, I kind of felt like that that ship had sailed. And I don't know if they, (laughs) you know, had any idea that I might go on a mission. I definitely didn't want to get everyone's hopes up. It started getting late. 
the fire started to die and the cool mountain air was starting to, to make me cold. And I had actually left my watch at home on purpose. And remember, no cell phones or anything back then. So I didn't know what time it was. And I did that on purpose because I didn't want to just be watching the time and worrying about it. So I unfolded my sleeping bag and I made a nice uh, bed in the back of my truck. And I spent some time just staring up at the stars and listening very closely for any sounds of wild animals. <laughs> and I felt lucky. And I realized that God was watching over me and letting me know what I should do. I really hadn't prayed about a mission yet. I was afraid to pray because I was fairly sure what the answer would be. At some point, I fell asleep, and I slept very soundly through the night. I found out that the sun comes up very early in the mountains, <laughs> even on a Saturday. At least I think it was early. I didn't have a watch, remember? <laughs> but uh, I remember waking up, and I felt really sure about myself. I had a plan. I was going to talk to the bishop about a mission. Who would have guessed? I was scared about it, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that's what I needed to do. I went for a long walk, and I saw all sorts of animal life. This place was so quiet. It was so peaceful. I still hadn't seen another person the entire time I'd been up there. It was such a change from where I lived. I wasn't used to it, but I definitely liked it. I really felt at peace with myself. I said a little prayer, and I thanked Heavenly Father for everything that I had, and I asked for help. I had chosen the path now, and... I was going to help shape my future. I knew it would change my life. When I got back to my truck, I took one last look around and hoped that I could find this place again. I wanted to come back someday with my wife after my mission. I was going to be a missionary? Oh, wow. I knew that I was doing the right thing, but I was still pretty scared. So the top of this little mountain, surrounded by other mountains and valleys, had become a sacred place to me. I had great respect for the beauty and the majesty of the natural surroundings. I was in God's creations. It was all his creations. The trees, the sky, the mountains, the valleys, the green grass, the wildflowers, the animals, the running water, and me, all creations of God. I thought, huh, I wonder how long it'll be until this place is discovered by thousands of people because it was so awesome. And I'm sure it probably is much more uh, traveled today. It's been a while since I've been there. There were people just living on the other side of those mountains, I thought, in Salt Lake and Utah Valley. I hoped at that time that it wouldn't be discovered. <laughs> you know, the ancient prophets would go to the mountaintops and commune with God. I felt that God was mindful of me, that he cared about me, and that his spirit had been there to guide me in my search. I think we all need a sacred place, a place where we can go and have peace and ponder. Whether it's on the top of a mountain or a quiet place in our home, we need to somehow escape the noise of life and unwind and refocus and get in touch with who we are. It's even harder now when we have cell phones and different things that can distract us. I left my watch at home because <laughs> I didn't want that to distract me. Think of all the distractions we have now. You know, I've, I actually have returned to that hilltop many times. My wife and I actually ended up camping there. And I even went there with my younger brother and went camping. Little did I know back then when I first discovered Hobble Creek Canyon that I had an ancestor, William Bringhurst, who was 
ordained bishop of Springville, uh, the Springville Ward in 1870, and he served until he died in 1883. For 13 years, he was bishop. I didn't know that after one day when I would be married that uh, we would buy our first home in Springville and live there for six years just down the street from Hobble Creek Canyon. I've often wondered what was uh, going through Bishop Whitaker's mind when he talked to me because I had not been coming to church, but he brought me into his office and wanted to talk to me about going on a mission, which started me thinking about it. So just like Joseph Smith, you know, Moroni called me to the work. <laughs> but my Moroni just happened to be our bishop, Moroni Whitaker. I know that God knows each of us, and I know that he has great plans for each of us. We just need to take the road less traveled. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope that we've added a little bit of sunshine to your day as I've taken you back to 1990 and a little trip that I took up Hobble Creek Canyon. (laughs) If you like this episode, we would appreciate it if you would rate it and give us a fantastic review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This is a small step that makes a huge difference in how we show up when people are looking for podcasts. And if you like the show, subscribe, and then you'll be notified when other episodes come out. And as always, we would love for you to share it on social media so others can find us. Or share it with a friend if you think that they might enjoy it. So until next time, cheers from the Pacific Northwest.